Welcome to Reckless Moves. We are a bunch of fools, some friends and family, who play Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. Our party consists of Talfeth, a dwarf paladin, Twig, a halfling rogue, Bryn, an elven ranger, Crispin, a fire genasi barbarian, Marquail, a dragonborn sorcerer, and Cyril, a wild hunt cleric. I'm your dungeon master, Michael Cremeen. Why are we called Reckless Moves? Ah, figure it out. How does the paladin protect against heat? They turn up the AC. Here with Elisa Garza, who plays Talfeth Truestorm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the question I start with most of the time for interviews is, uh, tell me about your history of role playing, how you got into Dungeons and Dragons. Give me a little of your background in so, adventuring. Funny story. I got introduced to it in about 1999, 2000. I was dating a really geeky guy in high school where him and his friends, who I knew a number of them, um, were playing Dungeons and Dragons in Magic Arts. It was the first time I was kind of introduced to that environment. And funny was nobody wanted to admit that they were actually a geek during that time period. You didn't do that. Like, oh, you never, I, I'm aware. You know. Like, when, <laughs> yeah, I told you before, like, I started... We, I, 82. Yeah, like, same it was like likes. It was like not only underground, but you remember at that time there were articles like AD&D is demonic. And yes. There was oh like my gosh. A backlash against it. And I was raised Catholic, so that was like... Oh, there's <laughs> demons. Yeah, not so good. And liking things like Star Wars and liking things like Star Trek. You didn't admit that you were in love with Will Wheaton. Like that was right. something you did not do. Right. So it was kind of interesting that I was friends with these guys and we kind of like hid what we did. And we would play under the high school library staircase so nobody would bother us. So it was kind of like this hidden little adventure that we used to go on. And they helped me become a part of that world. That I was like, what? I get to play these really cool characters. I get to be introduced to all of these wonderful worlds that I've been reading about for years because I'm an avid reader. I do love reading. So thanks to them, they're the ones who got me to play D&D in the first place. But what's different about how we play D&D now versus then, because it was really hard to get together, we used to do super short campaigns. Really, really right. short. Like only one a module or something. Exactly. Yeah. And we would only do it for like once a Saturday every three Saturdays in a row because there was just no time to get together. So it was really cool because it was really short, quick play, and you got to do a lot of action, like boom, right out of the gate. So it was neat. It was really neat. Um, but again, <laughs> trying to be super excited about this new thing and not tell anybody about it was really, was really, really funny. Hard. So that's when you started, mm -hmm. and um, you have other RP or like role playing and. So Experience. around that same time, 
I started getting into um, Renaissance fairs and dressing up and going to Ren fairs. And I was like, this is like live action D&D where we get to dress up in these really cool clothes yep. and personify these really neat characters who come up with storylines and talk in accents and go to these fairs and have other people interact with us like that. So I actually brought that back to our group and I was like, we should try this. We should do this. We should dress up as our characters and do this thing. So it was neat because we kind of got to intermeld the two of them together. And then after high school, a lot of us went our separate ways and I didn't pick it up again until several years I was in college. It was probably around 2006, 2007. I was working at Disneyland at the time. And some of my friends at Disney were into D&D. So I got back into it that way. And, but the weird part was, is we played other variations thereof. It was almost like homebrew, but they would take D&D homebrew and they would mix it up with other themes and other storylines. So some of our homebrews had like Disney characters in them. Got it. Yeah, that's not <laughs> uncommon actually. So yeah. I, I played, there was a, I played sci-fi versions, you know, mm -hmm. there was a, a thing called Traveler for Buffering a while. the Vampire Slayer version, yeah. you know, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, 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 like there's a, a like vampire storylines, there's lots of different. Yeah, a little spinoff there of Supernatural was really big during that time period. It just started oh, yeah. in like 2005 or something. And so bits and pieces of that, like when Digos were in our storyline. So it was neat because it was very, very homebrew and we, the rules were totally loose. I don't think we really had rules. We kind of made it up as we went along. And then um, dice were like a thing that we kind of used, but didn't at the same time. So it was super funny and you'll hear me in our current games that we play and going through the different modules. And with our current play, half the time I'm not sure what to do. That because we played so open and free, I don't know what dice to use half the time, and you have to tell right. me which dice I'm using. And I half the time forget that I can do double attack sometimes or use different weapons or whatnot. So it's definitely interesting, and it's a little funny. It is, and having played various systems when you get into one, because it's not. So when you started, it was what? version 3.5? I think so, something along yeah. those lines. At least what when you stopped at that time. Mm -hmm. um, so then you also did like roll, you did the Renaissance stuff and you also did la, uh, LARPing. I did a lot of LARPing. Um, which is also role playing. And, yeah. and so to me, the, the obviously what's happening here is my job, I said in my segment, my job is to facilitate fun. Yeah. Right? So if everyone's having fun, I have a good time. And mm -hmm. so it's not what I'm doing, it's creating the story and the experience that you could go through. But like you talked about, you went, you played a lot of modules back in the day. Yes. So I've played these. Yeah. And now I get to see what you guys do. And I'm like, and what? I wonder how they're going to solve this problem. <laughs> or I wonder what, how they're going to break this. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, and basically just running through the danger and going, ah! And seeing what happens on the other side when we, we come out on the other end. Right. Um, so when you got back into it, um, you um, did you play recently after those 
No, after 2007, 2008, the only thing that I really got into was doing a lot more Renaissance Fair stuff. Okay. And joining different guilds and getting involved in that and doing role playing through that. Um, not so much D&D because I didn't have people that would play with me. And that's definitely, you need more than two people to kind of really make that happen. Yeah. And so we would do that instead of the actual D&D. So it wasn't until you guys told me that you do D&D yourself. And I saw you play at Kayla and Leanne's house when I was living there for a little while. Um, and watching you and hearing you play from upstairs. So I was super excited when you asked me to join this group. Because it's been so long since I played, and I do different variations of. Um, for instance, I belong to a pirate group called the Wandering Rogues, and we do a lot of that. But it's it it didn't harken back to the old D and D style, where you're going on an adventure and you get to use your imagination, and create this entire world in your brain with other other people and right. fight monsters because. At Renaissance fairs, you're not fighting monsters. You know, you're not, you know, going up against the Minotaur and kicking its butt. Right. You don't get to do those things. Usually, they don't even let you draw your sword. So, you know, this was kind of like a different way for me to kind of get back into my imagination. So, beside the LARPing stuff, when you um, join this group, tell me a little about you're playing a male character, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah. Um, you're playing a Dwarven Paladin. Which is, you know, it's not an uncommon type, but it's not the most common. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you also have a very... Tell me a little about your backstory and why you chose this character. So so it was interesting because almost everybody in our group had picked their characters already. And when you and I were discussing that, I was trying to think of what would be the best piece to kind of fill out the puzzle of our entire group. And, and what we had. And I realized that having a strong, kind of like a short character that can kind of do things and get into places um, and be kind of this kick-ass person would be a really great addition to our group, um, considering everybody already had kind of what they wanted locked in stone. And I really wanted to have it really fit and really work with the group and be a positive bonus instead of another hindrance. Uh, with this character, I started thinking about the backstory. I, I figured out that I wanted to be a dwarf, and I played a lot of female characters over the years. So, so I time was, to try something different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was I like, I love that. Like it's a. <laughs> sometimes I have. I say she. I'm like, oh, I mean him. <laughs> personal pronoun issues with our group. Definitely. There are a couple. Because <laughs> yeah. we have another character that it's a gentleman that plays a girl. So right. it, it definitely makes our entire group kind of even more hilarious. Because we're like, he, she, she, he, 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 he. Mm-hmm. They and them. The party. <laughs> yes, the group. Um, so it's definitely, definitely funny. Um, so I was like, I could, I could do a manly man, really strong dwarf. I was like, so you'll hear me when we're going through our different areas. If we come across a beautiful woman or a beautiful character or creature i oh, yeah. start i'm like oh i'm flexing my muscles yeah or i am i am twirling my mustache <laughs> yeah you have a big beard like a, you know beards are a very big thing for dwarves yep. you you know lots of grooming and, you know having gorgeous and mustaches for a dwarf, you're still young yes i am okay. i'm only 50 so i'm very young yeah. in the lifestyle of a dwarf 
So I'm kind of a little bold. I'm kind of a little bit more adventurous. I'm not as knowledgeable as I should be due to my age. Um, and, and what kind of, what's your background? Your Ah, so um, I'm a mountain dwarf. That's right. And I actually have a really interesting backstory in the sense that um, where I came from and who my mother and father are and how that situation came about. So my mother was royalty. Um, she was a princess at the time, soon to be queen, uh, because her father had died, um, was killed in battle, I believe. And that's right. I remember that she had a royal, let's call him a royal vizier, like a royal, um, right hand man, someone who was there to, to guide her and to give her knowledge and to give her understanding. And that was my father at the time, which was super taboo. Yes, yeah. which was definitely not okay. But my father, what a lot of people didn't know or realize is he was very power hungry. He was actually power mad in the sense that he had this outer image of wanting to be, you know, this high up person, this very important person. So he started like wooing the princess, thinking you know, this could lead towards having the most ultimate power. So inside, he was not a good person. He was power hungry, power mad, wanting more, wanting and willing to step on or destroy anyone on his path to like greatness. Mm -hmm. And um, they married. And in the process of all of that and growing up, I didn't realize that my father was bad. Because as a kid, you don't know those things. Right. So when he would teach me to fight, when he would teach me to do things, when he would teach me that you need to conquer people, that you need to overcome, you know, and be more and be better, I was thinking doing these things, I was pleasing my father and helping him, you know, in his journey. Whereas my mother was the exact opposite. She was this beautiful, temperate woman who really believed in her people, who really believed in her culture, that was very much like a person who wanted to raise up our entire clan and do what's best for the group. They told me that uh, she was very sweet and very nice to everyone, that she was basically a perfect ruler. Or So it was this black and white night and day version of my parents. So I grew up as a product of my environment. Well, it ended up coming down to my father actually murdering my mother because he wanted ultimate Which is, power. This is power and royalty. This is like Game yeah. of Thrones kind of stuff. Like, yes. power doesn't care. Exactly. Right? That he wanted to be the ultimate ruler. When you, and... But you found this out. You learned this, I, yes. I recall correctly. So you chose the opposite path. Yes. Which is why you went mm -hmm. for the holy studies. Exactly, right. why I decided to become paladin in the first place, because I have this warring relationship in my in my soul, essentially, that my character isn't sure if he's dark like his father or if he can be of the light like his mother. And so I ended up actually leaving my people because they, they killed my father after... They learned what happened. Yes, after they learned that he murdered my mother. Yeah, so... And, and, and they did... Right, and since that happened, you're not going to send. Yes, it's it's a juxtaposition that it's everybody was kind of trying to decide if I was a good person and maybe I could rule, 
or if I am my father's son and there's no bloody point, maybe we should just kill him now. Or um, a lot of people are giving me really like deeply sympathetic looks like, oh my God, I can't believe you've been put through this. So I made a decision to leave my clan, which is a little nuts considering a lot of dwarves are very deeply into family and the group and and whatnot. So leaving but, but you're that, still, but you were actually very into you. So you learned more about your lineage through before we started podcasting through the mm-hmm. early gameplay. Mm-hmm. And um, you may tell me. So I think it was your five greats. Grandfather was actually Durgadin, which is the um, was hundreds of years ago um, the uh, smith that made some of the best armor and weaponry in existence. In existence in the uh, the module, one of the modules we played called Forge of Fury. Some of which I think is on the podcast. I don't remember when we started, but um, the um, that kind of storyline throughput was pretty emotional. Like, yes. Yeah. Um, and dwarves being what they are and understanding generations and generations of their history yeah. and believing in generations of their history, getting to go after that and, and search out this treasure and find my history and find out what happened to past family members. Because as, as children, we hear all the stories and we hear all of the, uh, you know, him going off to this great land and creating these amazing weapons for these epically gigantic battles. So going through this, it was kind of like getting to connect back to my roots because my roots felt so broken at that point. Right. I wondered why. So yeah, see, you a lot of the all you guys are very into the backstory of what you where you <laughs> came from, what you did. You a little more than others, somewhat, because I think because of your heavy role playing background. Mm-hmm. And also your previous experience. Some of the other play- people are more new to D&D. They've played other games, role-playing games, but not 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, or the way, at least the way we play it. Mm-hmm. It is modules, but it's modules with homebrew in the module, yes. as well as all of the stuff in between, mm-hmm. which connects people to other places and storylines. And, and um, So one of the things I've thought about is now with your backstory of your where you're from and we now we We haven't revealed this in game and we're not going to talk about it today (laughs) Mm -hmm. but where you're from now you have Durgadin's actual armor yes and so this could be a kind of powerful yeah like coming back with that with that mark exactly it could be and the shield too you have have a shield and the armor right and the armor and the helmet and the helmet well yeah it's part of the armor because I left my helmet. Yeah, this is also where we learn, like, if you miss a session and other people play your characters, funny stuff will happen. <laughs> so for those of you that don't know, oh, yeah. one time Elisa couldn't do a game and came back with a everlasting candle melted to the top of her helmet. <laughs> so she was literally the light. Oh, my God. And having <laughs> to remember to take the cup off of the light yeah. and put the cup back on the an light. An inverted mug was how you covered the light up. So you're walking around with an inverted mug on your head. Yeah. And and needing to remember to do that. Because everybody's like, oh no, it's too bright, it's too bright. You need to cover the cup. And I'm like, oh shit. That's right, I didn't cover the cup the last time. <laughs> Damn it. So, uh, great backstory. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, anything else you'd like to, to add about where you'd like to see the character go? Or 
um, you know, your experience with the group? Well, it's, it's super fun getting to see everybody expound and, and change their roles because the, the group that we're playing with, um, I knew some previously, I didn't know some previously. Uh, I kind of knew them, but didn't know them that much. Or for instance, like Kale, who I've known for absolute years since we were children, that getting to see them do these different roles and getting to see them use their imagination this way, I'm learning more about them actually playing D&D than having normal relationships or normal conversations with them. It's interesting. That's one of the things I've always experienced throughout the years is playing Dungeons and Dragons and other role-playing games is that you learn about yourself and about other people in what you do. And your decisions that you make and why. And also the conversations the characters have are maybe sometimes revealing about what the motivation of the person is. Exactly. Yeah, it's really interesting. So... Thank you so much. Thank I really you. appreciate the time. Uh, it's super fun seeing Talfif grow from the beginning <laughs> till now. Um, oh my god! And uh, super flirty do- uh, dwarf. Oh my gosh! Well, I'm yeah. a very young dwarf at this point, so I'm like, hmm. Oh yeah. yes. I yes. will smooth out my eyebrows and twirl my mustache. <laughs> yeah, it's very funny. Very it's cool. Good. Well, uh, this has been a player interview with uh, Lisa Garza, who plays Talfeth, True Storm, a Dorvan Paladin. I'm a green, I'm the Dungeon Master, and I'll end every session with Talk to you soon. moves we are a bunch of friends family and fools who play dungeons and dragons fifth edition our party consists of Bryn an elven ranger crispin a fire genasi barbarian marquail a dragonborn sorcerer serial a wild hunt cleric talfeth a dwarf paladin and twig a halfling rogue and i'm your dungeon master michael cremeen Why are we called Reckless Moves? Well, you'll figure it out. If you're a rules Nazi, please listen to another podcast. If you like to have a good time, stick around. Welcome to Reckless Moves. Moves. This is an interview with one of our main characters. My name is Michael Cremeen. I'm the Dungeon Master. And here we're talking to Mark Miller, who plays Twig. Yes. So, uh, so Mark, what's your experience with Dungeons & Dragons? How did you get into it uh, before we met? How did you... Uh... Well, several years ago, mostly I just heard my son talking about how much fun he had with... Uh, with, with the D&D and, and was enjoying it so much and 
he would have me in stitches with some of the stories about his adventures with his friends. And uh, I, you know, when, I, when, I, when the opportunity came to join a group at one of, the, one of my previous jobs, uh, there was a company group, you know, noticing, you know, anybody, anybody wanted to play D&D could come on down and join, join the, the fun, so I did. And the guy who was running it wasn't too experienced, but it was just nice to laugh, have a few laughs. And, you know, when I left the company, unfortunately, I didn't really follow up with the group. But, and then I had another group that was, I found through Reddit. Uh, but they were a bunch of college kids, good good people. But uh, <laughs> one of the one of the members of the group was what what is what is termed uh, I guess a, a murder hobo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard that term. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they wanted to just let's rat kill them. the vendors. <laughs> let's wanted, kill the townspeople. They wanted to kill everything in sight and would not didn't had no patience and no 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 time for uh, any role playing. And so I, I eventually, you know, kind of, you know, moved on. And then when I, you happened to post on Facebook that you were watching some D&D show and I mistook that you were playing D&D. And I said, that's on, right. On that's Facebook, right. I said, uh, hey, if you need an extra player, let me know. And, that's right. and you had like no idea that any of your Facebook friends were interested in D&D. So I, many. <laughs> so, yeah, I've, I've played uh, I figured it out. I've played 38 years. Wow! So far, um, That's and incredible. Uh, so when you started with our group, yeah. um, what was your what? First of all, tell me about your character and why you chose that race and that class. Well, I mean, so who, who's Twig? Well, you had when when you invited me in, you you made it very clear that you were hoping for a halfling rogue. You said the group could really use a halfling rogue. <laughs> And I said, well, what the heck? I'm six foot four, 350 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> why not be why a halfling? Why not be a halfling? <laughs> so, so I said, yeah. And uh, so, and there, and there was Twig was born. And uh, the full name is Birch Twigglesby. Who goes by Twig, right? Go, go everybody all But no one knows that Birch is the first name. Yeah, no, nobody's asked. Up till... <laughs> Uh, up till this point, yeah. we're at session, season one, session 15. Yeah, and nobody's no, asked. <laughs> well, and also, it hasn't come up a conversation. No. Um, however, there is, so, as a halfling rogue, you are an arcane trickster. Yes. And yes. so... Which I actually, I, cha I changed to arcane trickster right at the last minute. I started out as an assassin, but it just didn't suit my kind of happy-go-lucky character. And so I, I, I felt that the arcane trickster was uh, was closer to what I my my character would, would really do. And we had an opportunity during one of the sessions uh, where Marquel, our sorcerer, found some books that included the spell Mage Hand. Right. And I said to and myself, that was your first. I was I said, man, I want that spell. And I went and did some research, and I said, well, let's see if we can do this naturally. And so we worked it in, and that I, I, you know, started calling Marquel Senpai and Sensei, and and learning from from him uh, about magic, and that's where I was able to switch my switch my uh, character up, and and I haven't regretted it at all. It's been a lot of fun. So tell me a little about uh, Twig, and you have a very interesting backstory, which was revealed during play. Yes, yes, and and uh, what. 
what happened was is it started out that uh, you know I had this amulet or well pe people asked me to describe myself early in the play and I said uh, it was just joking at first I said that I smelled like lavender and I do remember <laughs> that. And, and I kept thinking to myself you know when we weren't playing I said why do I smell like lavender and I said well maybe I have an amulet that smells like lavender well why am I wearing an amulet and then I kind of thought and thought and said trying to figure out why and then I came up with this you know backstory that where Twig had had been cursed by a demon who was dying and and saved by a druid and and as a result there was some residual demon energy that that was that occasionally uh, took over right and it revealed itself in that in combat your eyes changed <laughs> and you turned into a little halfling size fire demon like Jack Jack from like, the Incredibles <laughs> sure sure make it clear we are not endorsed we're not we're not having, yeah, that's true. we have anything to do with the Incredibles although I love the Incredibles a good reference uh, yeah. so yeah this little fire demon suddenly appeared yeah. uh, and, and the party was it freaked everybody freaked everybody out, out. <laughs> uh, and uh because uh, you and I had talked about it. We, like, we talked a lot about the backstory yeah, because yeah. when you're talking to a character about a backstory, it's good to have the reveal. Yes. Like you, there's things that the party knows about you. Yeah. Through adventuring and through talking and natural character RP right. or role playing. Yeah. But the things that are agreed upon with the DM that get revealed, we're doing a long story. So this mm -hmm. is a um, the. It's kind of a high, you know, it's a hybrid. It's it's modules, but with homebrew, because I never use the module, module like a guide to me. And these modules were some of the first ones I ever went through so many years ago, some of them were like 70s and 80s. Um, by original so this content- be, This might be bringing all sorts of nostalgia it, up It for does, you. but they've been updated for 5e. Sure. Um, and uh, in our session zero, we talked about why we don't, we always make the joke like if your rules Nazi, we're the wrong group for you, <laughs> because it, again, Dungeon Master uh, to me is to encourage people to have a good time. Yeah, and you guys have um, you just do ridiculous things. It's so fun. So some of the most ridiculous things are it's so much. Fun. You're crossing a bridge. Um, you you have befriended a dire wolf mm -hmm. through amazing lucky rolls like <laughs> I was like you have a five percent chance of this thing not attacking you five like wow yeah <laughs> and uh you became friends with and now this dire wolf has a saddle for a halfling mm -hmm. and uh, so thrag thrag is, is awesome who uh was an was an enemy but you you uh, somehow well, we this is now your companion. We destroyed his master and his brother, and then he was wimping, you know, limping, very badly wounded, back to the corner to die. And, you know, I just saw an opportunity. I stopped everybody from fighting. I said, "Wait, wait, wait. Let's see what we can do here." And right. you know, I tried to do that whole uh, uh, Jurassic World moment <laughs> where, right. he's, where he's taming the raptors and and uh, try to get my you know clever girl it. yes exactly but you know try to um, to see if we could somehow turn this into an ally and like you said all the roll lucky rolls we were able to 
make it work and and I thrag everybody loves swag and I love it I yeah. love it <laughs> um, so what else about uh, your so you your character the little halfling rogue uh -huh. has a very New York accent which I find amazing <laughs> and at one of the sessions you started with like this like catchphrase when you're greeting someone what yo yo baby <laughs> <laughs> which die laughing and every podcast you guys try to make me laugh just before we start oh it's it's, it's, so, it's a given um, as soon as it's like lift roll like, yeah I'll, I will get back to you guys <laughs> like they said it's too late when the DM smiles well I think I think, it, I think it's always nice for you know the character to reflect aspects of the player and uh, yeah I'm a New York boy through and through yeah you know, I was born and raised and, and uh, it, so I try to let it come through a little bit I mean I do all these different accents and I like mimicking other accents like we tease Mar uh serial endlessly yes yeah you know dominic and uh it's it's just fun you know just fun i love it well any uh so with the the demon um curse yes one of the things that we will reveal going forward is how does this end yeah you know we don't know because you're currently at this interview you're level five right and by the time you get further along, you get the demon becomes more powerful mm -hmm. as you convert. It becomes more difficult to come back. Yes. And you've had some discussions with other players in game. Yes. Um, about this. Yeah. So, what what concerns you about this? You've chosen a very unique backstory, which I love. But what concerns <laughs> you about this backstory? I mean, you've kind of had a conversation with uh, well with Mark Whale about this. Yeah. I mean, I I. I've just been thinking, and you know, you and I have been talking. You know, that much like Mark Quayle has his wild magic, you know, I there's a, a wild component to what I do, right? And and there's I, I think you know it, it, this power is so cool, so awesome, but there has to be a downside, right? There has to be a danger. Yeah, which we said very like wild magic. You roll the one, yeah, at, at every. Round, yeah. If I if I roll D20, a one, yeah. if you roll a one, stuff can go down. Stuff can go down, yeah. and 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 I'm I'm completely prepared to let the character of Twig be subsumed by the demon character, and whether or not the players let that demon character live or not is up to them. Right. But you know, I'm you know I expect it to get very crazy if he continues to inhabit twig and and i've made it very clear to marquel how to stop it whether they want to stop it is up to them you know i mean they may they may end up liking the demon more than they like twig no. <laughs> I, I, I don't know the demon doesn't seem to communicate very well yeah, he, um, yeah he's a, a, well he's he's been really rough and raw uh, up to now but uh, you know i'm, I'm working on more of a personality for him right and, uh, and i've got some ideas about where to go with it so i mean but demons it, are intelligent demons are very intelligent and very duplicitous and and well, deceptive yeah and so uh in your backstory the demon that infected you was a, a baylor is that a right? baylor yes, yes. yes and um one of the end goals of this entire campaign is uh fighting uh Sarah yeah. And so, who is, uh, who is the son of a Baylor? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so, it's very interesting. It could come full circle at some yeah. point. Uh, I, I, I read about that, and, and uh, 
I, you know, it just, the, the, um, the serendipity of it all kind of really hit me. And uh, I just happened to pick Baylor out of a list that I thought was cool because it reminded me of the Balrog. Right. From Lord of the Rings. Right. Which was one of my favorite elements of the movies, you know, it was just so awesome. But clearly different. Clearly for trademark different, yeah. purposes. For trademark purposes. Clearly, clearly a different clearly character. Different. Clearly different. They just happen to be big fire demons. They happen right. to be big fire demons. And Very so, powerful. So I just thought that it was, um, it it was awesome the way you know you brought that aspect to life and and you know the the possibility of that dovetailing and interweaving into the story. You know you did that with uh, with our dwarf character yes so well in the second right being a adventure i think a great 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 grandson of Dermody. and when i interview uh uh Telfeth true storm yes. um, for this um uh who's uh, played by elisa <laughs> uh, um, awesome. yeah so this uh, ancient male dwarf had a story in the uh, forge of fury right right the storyline through the relationship with Durgadin. right um which was interesting and that played out so well and you know, her character has benefited immensely from it. And I don't know if my character will benefit at the end, but, you know, I know that it's going to be hell of interesting. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This has been uh, Reckless Moves uh, character interview with you Mark know what? Miller. Before, before we end, I just want to say that, that, that being a part of this group and playing with the people that we have has been one of the biggest joys of my life. I got to say. Yeah. Same here. It's, it's been amazing. such a blast because everybody is so uh, generous with their humor and their time, and you know they're just all really wonderful people, and, I, and it, me- it means the world to be a part of it. Yeah, we do say friends, family, and fools. That's and right. All of them are fools. And I, I know. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, I know. I know who the fool is. Yeah, I'm pointing to myself for those who can't see. Yes. Very nice. All right. Well, this has been an interview with Mark Miller, who yes. plays. Birch Twigglesby, or yes. better known as Twig, Twig. Yes. to the rest of us, the our halfling rogue, rogue arcane trickster, mm-hmm. um, very much a trickster. Very much. Sure. <laughs> and uh, I'm the dungeon master, Michael Premier. This is Reckless Moves. Talk to you soon.